You are listening to episode one of the Path to Motherhood podcast. Welcome to the Path to Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, infertility life coach, Sarah Brandel. Join us each week as we walk through navigating your trying to conceive journey. My mission is to share the skills of managing your mind, processing emotions, and living a full life to create a more authentic path to motherhood. Hello and welcome. Hi there. Wow. This is honestly like such a crazy moment. This is like really surreal to be recording this podcast and to be with you today. I have been listening to podcasts for I don't know how long and I truly have believed that I would have a podcast of my own for years. Like I'm talking like at least eight years and I knew that before I knew what the heck I was going to talk about. I would always say, Sarah, something's going to happen. You're going to learn something that's going to inspire you and you're going to be ready to share your message with the world. And when that happens, you're going to have a podcast. But I I didn't know what that was going to be about. I thought maybe it would be about my, you know, career that I started my adult life with, but that didn't really seem to resonate. And then lo and behold, go to start having kids, start going through fertility learn about coaching, start coaching women on their trying to conceive journeys. And one day I was sitting there and I thought, something is up. I'm remembering that I want to have a podcast and this is the moment. I'm ready. This this is the topic and I believe this information and these concepts need to be shared. And here we are launching a podcast. What a huge deal. I'm like, yeah, I'm honestly just so excited to be launching this podcast and to be sharing this with you. And I'm honored to have you here with me. So thank you for joining and thank you for all of your feedback and your love. And I can't wait to hear what you think. So let's go ahead and get into the episode. Today, what I would like to do is to share my story. I want to share my story because I really find that along the way, every time that I'm looking for support, every time that I'm looking for help, every time that I'm just really feeling like I need more, I go and seek out other women's stories. And hearing other women's stories makes number one, me feel so much more validated, makes me feel so much less alone, and really inspires me to be able to go take the next step. So I wanted to start the podcast off by telling you my story. Why did I even end up in this little place in the world where I work with such a specific group of women and why do I love to be here? So I will tell you, my husband and I, we got married back in 2017. We got married just before we hit 10 years in our relationship. So if that tells you anything, we were ready to have kids when we got married. We wanted to get off and away with it right away. We'd been together for a long time. We'd lived together. We knew each other really well. We weren't wanting to like delay and wait and have fun. We've been doing that. So we wanted kids. And so that's what we were working on. So we started trying soon after we were married. And I kind of knew from the background that I had PCOS. I I knew that since my teens. So I think I always say that that was my gift. 
I would say that finding out in my teen years didn't go over as well as I would have loved, but it is a gift that I knew about it because it allowed me to kind of not be one of those people who felt they needed to wait a full year of trying before they went to go talk to somebody. Or even I speak to people sometimes who felt like they needed to wait two full years of trying month after month after month with no success before going to see a provider. And I, because I knew I had that background, just didn't feel like that. So I would say we started trying pretty quickly, but we definitely did not wait a full year. Maybe six months to eight months that we waited. I knew I had that diagnosis, so I went to the doctor. It was actually a new doctor because we had new health insurance and said, hey, we're trying to get pregnant. It hasn't been successful. I think I have PCOS. That's what I've been told in the past. What are your suggestions? So we did some testing, did an ultrasound, confirmed, yes, I do believe that you have PCOS. I do believe you're on the right track here of needing a little bit of extra support. One thing I will say, because I hear this really common in like the PCOS world, I totally had that experience in my young teen years of someone telling me, having a medical provider tell me, you have PCOS, you may never have children. That's literally the words they said. At the time, I was young, dumb, and didn't want kids. So honestly, it didn't affect me as I know it does others. But I know there are so many women out there that hear that and are devastated. And I'm just sorry that you get told that. I'm so sorry that you get told that. There is something to be said for starting someone's like fertility life off, their fertility journey off in such a negative mindset. And it's just really unfortunate that happens. Luckily for us, when I went, when we were married and we were trying and been trying for a couple months, I hadn't been working. And I said, hey, I have this. He was the opposite end of the spectrum. He was like, oh my goodness, I have so many women that have PCOS. Don't even worry. We might need a little bit of stuff to help us support things, make this happen. But, you know, let's work through this. I'll work through this with you. We will make this happen. I'm not even concerned. And that was such a great place to be in with like, just kind of taking a little bit of the pressure off. And I just wish that every woman had that experience. So before I keep going, just a little disclaimer. I am a podcaster. I'm a life coach. I love working with all of you women and I want to share my full story. But that being said, none of this is medical advice. You need to go see your own provider and have that discussion and have them help you make medical decisions. So don't take what I have to say or my story and turn that into medical advice. Okay, so at that appointment, he said, let's do this. Let's go ahead and put you on metformin. Even though your blood sugars are great, your insulin likely is elevated because of PCOS. So let's put you on metformin to balance that out. And then let's start an ovulation medication. So I started Clomid. And so what happened is I was able to kind of start the metformin, wait till my next cycle, take the ovulation med. One of the big issues with PCOS is that we don't ovulate as often as all the other women do. So if you're having a regular consistent cycle and ovulating, that's a lot of chances. That's 12 chances a year to try to get pregnant. But if you aren't ovulating consistently, I believe there were years I was not ovulating or maybe once or twice. Obviously, that's going to hugely reduce your chances of getting pregnant if you're rarely, if ever, actually ovulating. So we took this medication. It helped us ovulate we were graced. We were blessed. And I say this with a lot of love in my heart because I know not everyone is blessed this way, but we were blessed to get pregnant that first cycle. So we took the medication and instantly got pregnant. 
it was kind of like a shock. It was such a relieving thing. Yeah, I don't know how else to describe it other than like we were just so grateful. We were buying our first home. I remember like signing, closing on the home and like starting to move into our new home, the home that I'm sitting in right now as I record this podcast. And we were just so overjoyed to be like, life is coming together. We are married. We've finished our degrees. We've started our careers. We've bought this home. And now next step is going into place. And it felt like everything was working like it was supposed to be. And honestly, I was just so grateful. Yeah, that's that's the only way I can describe it. So lo and behold, a couple of weeks, I remember like for those of you who have been through this, I know you remember this like I do. I remember walking into Target and I honestly don't remember what we were going to get. Obviously, that was not the important part of the memory for me. But we walked into Target, my husband and I. It must have been still in the moving process because it was us walking to a tar- or walking into a Target that's about 45 minutes from here and it was closer to where we were renting before. But I said, "Hey babe, I need to go pee. You go look for something. I'll be right back." And so I went to the Target bathroom and I was spotting. I don't know about some of you. You read all this stuff of like spotting can be normal. It can be implantation. Don't stress about it. I know that. I believe that. But in that moment, when I saw that spotting, I knew. I I knew. I knew this was a sign. This is over. It's not going to work out this cycle. Yeah. That's, it was, it sucked. I walked out of the bathroom, found my husband and said, I I don't even remember what we were looking for, but I don't want to get it today. We need to go. We need to go home. I don't want to be here. And bless my husband. He is the eternal optimist. And he had no experience with miscarriage or, you know, I guess he had heard of it, but not anything more than that and had absolutely no idea the frequency of them. And I know so many of you women probably listening are in the same boat. You've never really heard anyone talk about them because people don't talk about them. And that's where he was at. And I love him for that because in that naivety, and that's with saying that with a really kind heart, but in that naivety, he was able to hold on to so much more joy and like optimism. Whereas I, having known the frequency of miscarriages, was devastated. I instantly was devastated. So yeah, so we drove home, called the doctor. I believe we made an appointment. I don't know, a day or two later, I'm not sure. But I do know that in the next day or so, I actually had to work. I used to work in the ER at the time. And so I was continuing to spot, turning into a little bit of a heavier bleed, but I wouldn't even compare it to a period. It was not that heavy. So I was at work in the ER. I was waiting on a phone call from a doctor. And this doctor was one of those doctors that you know is going to be grumpy no matter what. So I'm waiting on this phone call and I'm waiting and waiting and you never want to miss it, but like, dang, he was taking forever and I had to pee. Like I couldn't hold it any longer. So I went to the bathroom 
I brought my phone in there because that's what a dutiful employee does. I go into the bathroom and of course I'm bleeding extremely heavy, passing clots. Having never been through a miscarriage before, this felt like the kind of final destination in my mind. I don't know. It was just very, very, very heavy. It felt like for certain when this was happening. Yeah, that's the only way I can describe it. So yeah, I'm experiencing that trauma. I'm processing that. And in that moment, he calls. Of course he calls. And what do I do? I answer the phone. I act like everything's fine. I tell him what I need to tell him. I have the conversation. He's grumpy as ever, as always. I stay pleasant and positive as always because that's what we do. And I go on with my day. And I share that little story about work because I know there are women out there who feel so guilty for the timing and the situation and whatever happened surrounding their miscarriage. I know that there are women out there who feel so guilty to flush a toilet. And I was right there with you. It was awful. I do think, although that doctor was not very pleasant and although I did not really, you know, I didn't want to share what was going on. So I wanted to just get off the phone call and move on with my day. But I did have a few coworkers I was very close with that I'm just so grateful that they could see something was up. I didn't leave right away, but, you know, I finished up what I could so that I could get out of there and go and spend a few days at home with my husband, grieving the situation and just processing everything that was happening. With that pregnancy, we actually did end up going into our appointment the next day. I had passed most of the products. Interestingly, though, it was, it was like, eight to nine weeks. I actually, honestly, I'd have to look back, scroll back a few years to find the exact timing, but it was somewhere around there. And I don't know if this was the correct decision, but at the time I went along with what they recommended. They felt like there was quite a bit of tissue left behind. They weren't sure how long that was going to take to be released and stop bleeding and have HCGs go back to normal and all of that. And so I decided to have a DNC. And we can talk about that experience on another day. We'll be here all day if I add that into the story too. But I did have a DNC. That was a tough time. If I think about it, we were this, you know, couple that was about to be having been married for a year. We were in a new home. And honestly, I all I can think about is like crying all the time not going out and seeing people, not wanting to tell people about it, not spending time with family and friends, and just being devastated. I also, I had shared our pregnancy with some family, and so I got support with that miscarriage. You know, my my parents, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, my sister, my brother, you know, said kind words. He didn't gift me anything, which is absolutely fine. <laughs> I don't expect him to. My sister sent me a nice care package. My mom got me a nice gift. My mother-in-law sent me a card, visited, took us out to dinner. My best friend sent me a gift. Like I was so supported and I was grateful for that, but it was an extremely lonely time and I wholeheartedly depended on my husband and I'm just so grateful to have had him. When we talked to our provider of like, okay, so what happens now? Of course, we have to go in and make sure our HCG goes back to normal. He said, you know what? Like, there's no need for you to have to delay trying. Like, if you want to try the next cycle and psychologically, mentally, you're ready, 
then you can go ahead. If you're not ready mentally, then wait. I wouldn't say like, I I don't like that word. I hear people talk about like having to be mentally ready or psychologically ready. I don't like that because I don't want someone to assume that means you need to be done grieving before you can try again, because I don't think that that's how it works. I think today in this moment, telling you this story, I'm grieving that first loss again. I don't think I'll ever completely erase that, but we did feel ready to try again. So we did. We, you know, waited for HCGs to drop, waited for my next cycle to start, took the ovulation medication again. And that was somewhere, I think, in like late November, right before Christmas, I think, we found out that we were pregnant. And yeah, so when people say that pregnancy loss can steal the joy of future pregnancies, they ain't kidding. Every single time I went to the bathroom, I was terrified. I constantly worried. I was so anxious. I, I, you just are waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time. And I felt less able to share that we were pregnant. We can totally talk about that in an episode about like, when do you share and what are your thoughts about that? But for today, I'll just say I was nervous to share. We went through the holidays. And I think actually I have a birthday in January. I think we told our family on my birthday, kind of as a celebratory dinner, but it was, it was tough. That first trimester, especially I kept having these like timelines, like get past when we had the miscarriage, get to the 12 week mark, get out of the first trimester. Like I kept having these things that I was trying to get to, to like hopefully lessen my anxiety the thing is, is that that didn't work. I still had it after I got to those timelines. And so, yeah, it was tough. I was blessed with an easy pregnancy. And if we want to talk about my pregnancy in the future, I'm happy to do that. But for now, that's not really where I'm going to focus our time. But I really, truly was blessed. I enjoyed being pregnant. I know that's not the common situation, but I really did. I wonder sometimes if like going through infertility maybe helps with that, but I don't think that that's like a tried and true method. I think there are definitely people who are going through years and years of infertility and struggling to conceive and they get pregnant and it's the roughest pregnancy you've ever heard of. So I don't think that's like 100% hard and fast, but I was grateful to have an, an easy pregnancy. So you know, it was successful. I delivered my daughter at 38 weeks and five days, 100% naturally. She was beautiful. It was amazing. I enjoyed every moment of it. And I am so grateful for her every single day. She is such a blessing. She's napping in the next room while I record this episode. And yeah, I, I felt a lot of relief of pressure right in the like, I'm, you know, approaching my third trimester. I deliver. I'm into the postpartum phase of like, okay, this worked. We had to take some medications. You know, it took an attempt. We had a miscarriage, but it worked. If we wouldn't have had that miscarriage, I wouldn't have my daughter. And I was able to kind of rationalize that and accept it and be okay with it. So yeah, that's our story of our path to Harper, our rainbow baby number one. And she was a blessing. So yeah, she is amazing. And I enjoyed every minute of newborn and being her mother. And if we want to talk more about that at some point, I'm happy to go into 
more details. I say I enjoyed every minute because she is truly my gift, but don't get me twisted and think that I never am frustrated or I'm never exhausted or I never am thinking, what the heck did you just do, child? Because that happens. But this is my fertility story, so let's keep moving on with that. So now we are over two and a half years into trying for number two. Our daughter just turned three a month ago. And yeah, that's that's where we are. So let's talk about that path. It's kind of crazy because in the depths of trying for Harper, it felt so difficult, so painful. And now, now that we're on this journey, her path feels like no big deal. And I think that a lot of women end up having that experience for different reasons and for different things, whether that is pregnancy and delivery, whether that is a fertility journey or whatever. Hindsight really does help. So I think we officially started trying for baby B number two when Harper was about maybe like eight months old. I started to get into my head that I, you know, you hear these like, I want to call them myths, like these things that are just totally not true that people share. Like it is not true that if you breastfeed, you're automatically going to lose weight. I don't know why people say that, but it's not true. Another one that I would hear all the time is, oh, if you get pregnant, that maybe will regulate your hormones and your cycles and you won't even have issues with trying to conceive next time. So she was about eight months old. We tried to conceive naturally, you know, using ovulation trackers. My cycles were still a little bit longer, but I was having cycles. So I would say we started in about April of 2020, trying and having this kind of hopes that it was going to be a natural pregnancy. But into the summer, that wasn't seeming to work. So my OB was able to, again, send the Clomid. And this is kind of where things, I was hoping, hey, we have these signs that Clomid has worked in the past. So let's take the Clomid and we'll get pregnant. So we took a round of Clomid and it didn't work. That was, you know, our third time taking it and our first time it not working. So that was kind of a surprise, like you almost expect it to. But then we took it a fourth time into the late summer. I actually was changing jobs, had to switch OBs. And so I had already scheduled like a yearly visit with her to kind of meet her, tell her what was going on and continue the fertility treatment if needed. And a few days before that appointment, we found out we were pregnant. And this pregnancy felt so brief. I think we had about four days of between finding out we were pregnant and then actually having spotting. So yeah, it was a short one, short-lived. Nobody but us knew about it. I started spotting in the evening, woke up heavy bleeding, had my appointment that day. Say, hi, nice to meet you, new doc. Um, By the way, I'm having a miscarriage. So yeah, that stunk. It was sometime in the early fall of 2020, and it was early enough that we were going to pass things on our own. And so we did that, and we trended the HCGs, and yeah, and just sat again with the pain of what miscarriage feels like. And this was a one for us that was a little bit of like a defining moment, but because before that, it was like, hey, miscarriages are way more common than we realize. You know, a lot of women have them. Just because you have one doesn't mean anything kind of situation. But then to have two was like, no, this is this isn't a good sign. This is an issue. So she actually switched our medications for our upcoming cycle. She said, you know, Clomid is okay, but I actually really prefer letrozole for PCOS patients. 
So we prepared for after HCGs trended down, after I had a new cycle, that we would try letrozole. She actually even offered to give us a trigger shot. But I remember at the time we were like, a trigger shot? No way. Like that's way too invasive. This med by itself is working. When That's hilarious if you think about where we are now. So we went ahead and took the letrozole in the late fall and we found out sometime in December that it worked. We were pregnant. We again enjoyed the holiday season, kind of not telling anyone, it being our own little news. We were able to go in and have an ultrasound and see the heartbeat and we're feeling very hopeful and that we were going to have two kids one that was going to be turning two and one that would be just born right near that same time frame. And we were so excited. My brother-in-law and his girlfriend were expecting maybe a month. They were due maybe a month prior to when we would have been due. One of my best friends, same thing. She was pregnant and due about a month before when we would have been due. So, you know, it was feeling like this is the moment. I am going to have people I'm going to be pregnant with. I'm going to enjoy this. This is going to work. This is going to be awesome. And then in January... Again, I started spotting. Hi there. I'm popping into the episode because I want to make sure you know about a free resource to help you with your next two-week wait. If you're like me, every time the two-week wait comes up, it can be a really stressful time. I created a free resource as I have gone through my two-week waits to guide you and kind of support you through the days of that process. The workbook comes with daily readings, daily journal prompts, and meditations to support you as you navigate your next two-week wait. Make sure to download your copy at sarahbrandell.com slash two-week wait. T-W-O-W-E-E-K-W-A-I-T. I can't wait to hear what you think. We confirmed things with an ultrasound. Again, I was able to pass things naturally. Most of the products of conception had passed at home. So this was my third miscarriage and the third time that we had not been able to test anything to kind of see if there was a reason. And we were devastated. And not only were we devastated because we had lost this, but we were also reminded for the next eight months as we watched those around us continue with their pregnancy. And we felt so much joy for them, but also so much pain for us. And the beginning of 2021 was, I think, a pretty tough time for my husband and I. We really took that hard. I especially really got in a dark place. I would think things like, what's wrong with my body? Why can't I keep a pregnancy? I must just not be healthy enough. If I get pregnant, I'm doomed to miscarry. So it would be a bad thing to get pregnant. These were the thoughts that were coming up. These were the thoughts that my brain was offering. It was painful. It was really, really tough. I, at that point, had been working with a coach for a while, but not on this topic. We had not really talked about it. So I decided, you know what, this is important enough. It's affecting my entire life. I'm consumed by it. I need to talk to someone about it. And I started talking through things with a coach. 
And I really, at the time, I was starting my own coaching practice, just general life coaching about anything. And so it was a time where I was really building my belief in the power of what coaching can do because I was helping other women. And so I was like, you know what? If that's the case, I need to buy into that and share the vulnerable stuff with my coach. And so we started working on this. And at that time, it felt right. And so we decided to take a small break from trying. This didn't mean we were preventing pregnancy, but we just weren't actively trying. I wasn't using the cycle trackers, wasn't doing the ovulation strips, wasn't taking pregnancy tests, wasn't taking ovulation meds, and was just kind of being with the the suck of this didn't work. So that was into the spring. And then somewhere in the summer, we decided we were going to try again. But this time I had it in my head. I really wanted to try naturally. I had been working with a functional medicine doctor as well as my husband. And we, you know, were hoping that was going to improve some things. And I was going to an acupuncturist and I was doing weekly yoga. And I I really do believe a lot of times we end up getting attached to an outcome. So I was all of a sudden attached to the only way to have a healthy pregnancy that actually goes to full term is to have a natural pregnancy. I don't know where I got that idea. Clearly, that's not what happened with Harper, but for some reason, that's what I wanted to do. And so I wanted no meds. I just wanted a natural pregnancy. And that's what I was trying for throughout the summer and into the fall. And I've heard women, they get attached to, I'm willing to take medications, but I can't do anything more invasive than that. Or I even speak to women who they're the opposite end of the spectrum. They have 0% belief that a natural pregnancy or even an IUI will work for them. And they feel the only route to get them a baby is to do IVF. And I just want to offer that we don't know how our child is coming to us. We don't know. It's completely uncertain. We show up, we make the best decisions that we can, but we don't know how it's going to happen. And that's okay. So I was still attached to this natural. I was trying naturally. It wasn't working. It wasn't working. In this time, we were doing a bunch of testing, hormone panels, lab testing. Jason was getting analyzed. And really, the only thing that was coming back was the PCOS and the insulin resistance that comes along with PCOS. So we were working on all of those things and just not having any success. I was actually having more irregular cycles and more cycles where I wasn't ovulating than I had in the past. So I was getting frustrated. And towards the end of 21, you know, I was like, babe, We've been doing this. We're trying this. We've been going at this for a while. We've given it a great shot. We had been again starting to try ovulation meds and it wasn't working. And so we said, you know what? I think it's time to go see a reproductive specialist. And he was pretty apprehensive about that. He felt like that was a really big step, which it is, but we, you know, really really talk through it. And if anything, infertility really tests your marriage and can have the ability to build your marriage in an amazing way. We worked through that and talked through that. And as a couple made the decision to pursue a reproductive specialist and yeah, that's, that's where we went. So it was this weird thing where we had taken those ovulation meds and they had been so effective. The first five times we took them, we got pregnant four times. We had had three miscarriages and now we're taking them again, a cycle after cycle after cycle in late 21 and into 22. And it wasn't working. And it was really disappointing. 
And then we got offered to do IUI and we did four rounds of IUI without success. And we kind of came to terms with, look, this isn't working. We can't control anything. Just because the past showed that this was effective does not mean that's what's going to be effective in the future. And we decided to pursue IVF. So at the time of this recording, we're actually preparing to start IVF. We had our meds delivered last week. I have my initial baseline appointment this next week. So not only am I launching a podcast, but along this way, I will be sharing my story of going through IVF live and in in the moment, which I hope is helpful. So we're preparing for egg retrieval here very soon. And again, I know and I wish more new IVF is not a for sure. It's an attempt and hopefully will be a blessing and a miracle to us, but it's not a for sure. And I don't have control over that. And I pray every day that we are able to bring into the world baby B number two. But I also know I have a beautiful girl laying down in the room next to me and she brings me so much joy. And I am so grateful to have her. And I am just trying my best to balance being in the fertility journey and focused on the future while also enjoying today. So that is our story. It's been a long one, but it's been authentic. And there's been beautiful times of joy and extreme times of disappointment and sadness. And I know some of you can relate to portions of this and probably not all of it. And that is okay. All of our stories are our stories and they should be different. But I hope you can kind of find some solace in that you're not the only one going through this. And I hope to build a community here where we can all support each other and talk about our stories. And also my goal with this podcast is to share the mindset shifts and strategies that I've learned and now I use with my clients to help manage the emotional burden that is infertility and trying to conceive. Because we're not taught these skills and without them, it can be very easy to feel consumed, to feel complete doubt, to feel broken, to feel anxious. And it doesn't have to be that way. And it doesn't have to be the opposite end of the direction where you have to drop all of the doubt and all of the fear and just be positive poly and just believe 100% this is going to work out because that's not authentic. And I never want anyone to feel like they have to do that to be successful. But there is a balance. There's a balance of allowing the honest truth of what is going on and also cultivating a mindset of this will work out. I believe in this. I'm doing the best that I can. And I am enjoying my life along the journey. That is key. I know so many times I did not feel like I was enjoying my life along the journey. And so I know some of you that can relate to that. And I really want to change that. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to my story. I know this was a long one. They will not all be this long. My goal is for you to be able to listen to these while you're running errands or in the car or going to work or folding your laundry, and for them to be really actionable, helpful kind of strategies for you to utilize along your own journey, please subscribe. Please follow along. 
Please share this with other women in your circles who you think could benefit from this and follow me. Let me know what you're thinking about the podcast. Message me, you know, share what kind of was helpful to you. Share what you want to hear on this podcast. Let me know. I would love to hear from you. I want this to be a conversation. I want you to be involved in this. And I look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Have a great day. Hey there, Inspired Mama. If you enjoyed this show, I want to invite you to leave a review in your podcast player. This helps to share the message with so many more women just like you. Also, if you know of another hopeful mama on her path to motherhood, please share this episode with her. I would love to get this into the ears of anyone who needs to hear it. If you are ready to step this work up and not only learn these tools, but to apply them to your unique story, head to the link in the show notes to apply for a free consult call. I would be honored to help you.